once you understand a bit more about yourself, and this is the last thing you would think cybersecurity practitioners would, would need to do, but it's actually really important because cyber is becoming a very mission-driven and potentially a very stressful part of the IT industry. And so understanding yourself is super important. You can't then provide support to others. And certainly a lot of the companies and certainly the company I'm with now it provides a lot of that training if you're willing to take it up. This podcast is brought to you by MercSec, the specialists in security, search, and recruitment solutions. Visit MercSec.com to connect today. Welcome to Destination Cyber, the podcast where we sit down with cyber industry leaders and movers and shakers and find out what makes them tick. We explore their careers, the mistakes they made, trials and tribulations, lessons learnt, and the invaluable insights and knowledge they've picked up along the way. Now here's your host, Lachlan Korn. John Carabin is a director of cybersecurity for NTT LTD in Australia and is responsible for Australia's security strategic direction, capability, and go-to market. John specializes in risk-based information security, combining a consulting-led approach to meet the practical security needs for organizations, increasingly dealing with a growing threat landscape and organizational change. John has more than 25 years experience in information and communications technology, working in various locations around the world. He has dealt with a wide range of organizations, having worked with government and com- commercial entities across many geographies. I am your host, Logan Korn, and this is Destination Cyber. Hello, John. Thank you for coming onto the series and being with us here today. Hello, Lachlan. It's a great pleasure. Looking forward to it. Definitely. So there are quite a few things I want to unpack with you today. But first, I want to ask if you could give us a little bit more detail about your current career and what it is that you do. All right. So you heard the title. I don't think the title tells you much these days. So uh, there's always a lot more behind it. So, um, but technically speaking, I'm the senior director for cybersecurity. And what that means in NTT is I'm in charge of the outward facing cybersecurity strategy and go to market. And, and by go to market, you know, it's, it's how we present ourselves to our clients, what partners we work with. Uh, structurally, how we're organized with consultants and, you know, the, the salespeople and, and really all the nuances in what's becoming a very complicated and uh, obviously important market. So I get to sit above all that. I'm national, which uh, I know my colleagues would laugh and tell me, you know, national's always here to help and <laughs> does nothing. But in fact, I sit across the entire business and, you know, I'm able to provide a bit of prioritization and and direction in what can be a very very noisy market so that's kind of that's kind of the big picture you know on a daily basis it it evolves depending on what's going on we might have a lot of client events going on and they want me to come in as the kind of the resident you know senior expert to to stand in front of some of our senior clients and talk to them about cyber security and what's happening in the market, mm-hmm. or I might be on another day, I might be talking to a lot of our partners and we work with a lot of the, you know, Australian and global cybersecurity technologists. And I'm talking to them about, you know, understanding what they do. And I get pitches, I get, you know, I get a fairly regular stream of technology companies wanting to, you know, wanting us to, to resell and incorporate their technology in our solutions. And so I get to hear a lot of pitches from, from 
both, you know, very small companies, very small mm. organizations, uh, but as, as, as well as big ones. So that's, that's the main role. I have a few secondary little jobs that I do in my spare time. I'm on the board of SciRise, which is a, what well, has been in Australia, but it's now it's a going regional. That's a cybersecurity accelerator for, you know, startups that are occurring. Okay. I've been, been, I've been there for a few years as well. And, um, I'm also on the board with the executive of ASA, which is the industry association for cybersecurity individuals. Wow. So a lot of experience across the board. So in terms of your current role communicating with clients, is it, so is it very much like a sales role? Would you say a lot of, a lot of meeting with clients, a lot of relations or is that correct? It, it, it can be. Yeah. So, you know, the, the term sales is such a broad topic. We would say that everyone in our company is a salesperson in some ways. We're selling the value and the attributes that, that we bring to the market, to, to our customers. But I'm not directly in the sales team. So we have uh, both generalist salespeople and they sit across the entire portfolio of what NTT does. And that's anything from, you know, the, 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 the network side right up into those applications in the cloud. We're a big systems integrator. We have specialist salespeople that sit in our security team. They don't report to me and I'm not part of that group, but I'm there, if you like, to sell the bigger picture to our, to our clients. My primary role, my primary role is really to set the priorities and strategy of you know, our global aspirations and global direction down to our Australian market, ANZ market. But everyone, I would be fired if I said I wasn't an important part of the sales <laughs> process, if you like, for our business. I see. I see. And, and these clients, I'm guessing they're, are they mainly priority large businesses? Not, not all of them. We have quite a, an array of different sort of clients in, in the market. I, I would say we probably in Australia, at least don't go down to that really small, you know, we certainly don't sell to the individuals. We don't really sell to small businesses, but anything from a medium to large scale, we, we do. We're involved in <clears throat> selling to some of the largest banking clients in Australia. We sell to some of the largest government agencies, but also, you know, we're selling to hospitals, retail groups, small mining organizations, you name it. And they sort of sit there, but yeah, sort of medium to large, I would say would be our category. Okay. Wow. So sort of switching gears a little bit, how do we get into this field? to begin with, sort of winding back time a little bit, what, what things mm. set it off for you? Well, I can tell you the, I mean, you know, the formal answer would be I had it well-planned and had fought through my career and, <laughs> you know, I took five steps. <laughs> In truth, a lot of it was chance, I suppose. Perhaps me following different skills that I seemed to develop over, over time that, that made me go more one direction than another. I, you know, I started my career very much as a real technologist. I, you know, I, I got an engineering degree in communications. So, and, and that sort of set my path, I think, in that technology suite. But I, I probably never saw myself morphing into that role of, you know, selling technology, meeting client needs around, you know, what, what they needed as they started to, to move their businesses forward, those business transformation discussions. I saw myself only ever as a, you know, a, a nuts and bolts person that, that sort of helped construct that, that, you know, that fabric behind it all. Turns out I did that for two or three years when I started off as an engineer. I think I pretty, pretty quickly found out I wasn't a good coder. <laughs> was a, was a, 
was a terrible revelation because I thought that would be my path. But, you know, just, I learned how to code, but, you know, I had a lot of friends in that business and still are in that business, but just, just sort of wasn't for me. And actually I took a break after about two and a half years from, from, from my core engineering building things. And I did what a lot of Australians do. I, I backpacked around Europe and I think having a little bit of spare time, I started really enjoying the cultures and, and talking to people and coming back to industry when I, when I finished that little trek, six to seven or eight months, I think it was, you know, that I, I rejoined the company first and foremost, they said, cause you know, Europe, we're going to ask you to go there. We'd love to put you there. So I was very fortunate to get a, an offer to go to, to London, but my role changed into a, a, a support technology support role. And, and that's that hybrid role, I think, where you are supporting the products and solutions that the company was presenting to, to our customer base. But, you know, I wasn't so much in that design phase. And I think all the way through my career, I've probably progressed more and more to, to being better at communicating and more, you know, sort of understanding and, and responding to requests that were coming to, to the businesses that, that I've been involved in. So that was probably a bit of a pivot. And, you know, I think you always keep your roots in terms of what you are and you know, probably for me, it's always the engineering, understanding how the nuts and bolts do work. I still am fascinated by that. But, you know, as I've progressed through my career, I've probably gone more to that business side. I've been a sales manager for, for a number of companies. I've run a national business. I've run a, even an APAC business. And it is always sort of connecting the, the people, the business and the technology together that, that's sort of, I think, driven me to, my, to, to where I've gone in my career. Mm, and what was the transitioning like? You're saying, you know, you started from one end, which was sort of the, the like you're saying, the nuts and bolts. I like, I like that line. And um, and then moving on to a bit more of the, the comm side, was that yeah. incremental changes on your way up or was that one big change and then you worked your way up by a whole new sector of that business? How, how did that work out? Yeah, I, I think I think it was incremental. I was terrible you know, in front of people, I think as an engineer, I always remember engineering, I look back on it now, it was actually great. They, they don't just get you to go into the technology, you, you, you know, you cross skill chemistry, physics, but the one unit I hated the most was English. <laughs> and I could never understand why they would put English into an engineering degree. And it turns out that was possibly one of the most important bits, you know, being able to structure and communicate. And I think I, in truth, found that difficult. <laughs> But also rewarding when you know you start to find ways to connect to people and actually deal you know with the good and bad of of supplying services and goods to people, and then you know really finding that if you understood, spent the time to listen, understood what was needed, and then provided you know that that service for me that was quite rewarding. And so I think incrementally I did that later on in my career. I purposefully started working on that because I found that it was easy for me to enjoy the technology and I still do, you know, I'm, I'm a constant learner. I listen to podcasts when I run, you know, when I'm driving in the car and most of them, I'm sad to say, not all of them, but some of them, you know, a lot of them are around cybersecurity and mm -hmm. things like that. So I'm, I just, you know, that's a passion and I, I gobble it up like, you know, like some delicious food, but I've had to work at those other skills. So I've 
purposely done, you know, development, professional and personal development around skills that I, I potentially was weaker at and got a lot out of that, I think, as I've gone along. And later on, I also did business skills. I realized that if I couldn't understand economics and, and business, you know, finance, for example, I, I couldn't probably progress into the management roles I was going. And that was quite a late decision. You know, I was quite happy. And, and I've seen this many times. People go, that, you know, they're very happy to be individual contributors and be part of a team. And then, you know, you, you either gravitate or sometimes in my case, I was pushed into leadership mm-hmm. and, and you either sink or swim. And, you know, I made the distinct purposeful intent to, to educate myself, to, to build up on those skills that I wasn't so good at. So you're talking a lot about speaking customers and, you know, the idea that, you know, English was in and, you know, why, why was English important? So what kind of things would you be selling and, and how did the learning of that sort of com and English help you better angle your communication towards selling that product or service or? Yeah. Well, I mean, English was, you know, how to structure communications effectively. And when I say English, I'm not talking about the language itself, mm. although that, that does come along, but it's actually how you respond in writing, how you message, you know, themes and how you relate even to your, your peers in your company. Um, so now, for example, in my current role, I will frequently present to the entire organization, a couple of hundred people on a, you know, a particular theme in cyber readiness response, resilience, for example, and learning how to, for me, at least pause, think a little bit before I, you know, enunciate learning how to say certain things that can be quite technically complicated and cyber has increasingly grown deep, very broad and quite complicated and be able to translate, you know, the themes that you need to get understood. They are really critical skills um, in our industry. Mm. Now, not everyone needs that. I know, you know, we've got some very technical people. I think they talk to you in hexadecimal and binary, you know, and they wouldn't be the best people to put in front of a client. Are they important to our business? Oh, yeah. I mean, they are essential. And that's not their skill set. You know, they don't have to be good people communicators. But for me, in the progression of my career, having some of those core skills were were essential to, to really be able to progress. Okay. And what about your university? How did that impact your ability to move into the cybersecurity career? Was it, was it useful? Did you, what did you study in? I mean, you were studying, I think, engineering and comms, right? So how did that impact your ability to get into yeah. the industry? And would you have changed it if you had it your time again? You know, I've thought about that question a number of times over, over the years. And I, in truth, I probably used five to 10%, maybe 10% of what I learned in, in university. I think it did ground me, gave me some really core essentials that, that were important. And it probably in truth, you know, was having a bachelor of engineering was a good anchor for me when I was going initially for a job. So I think that was probably useful. It probably got my first job with, with the small startup company in Perth at the time. Did I really need it from that point on? No, I think most of the, you know, most of the education I got was on, on the job itself or self-learning from that point. But I, for me, I think it was important. I probably did need that structure. 
I know a lot of people in my industry now in cyber that don't have, perhaps don't even have formal, you know, education and, and they are some of the most brilliant practitioners that I've met. So I don't think it's, it's a given that it's necessary, but I think if, you know, if it's a well articulated course, it does give structure to, to the commencement of your career. And so I think for me, at least that was, that was very useful. And with your university degree and you looking for jobs, would you, were you at having a full-time job during uni or a part-time during internship while at university? Were you saying something about her? Yeah. So, so I worked, you know, I actually on weekends and I worked between the breaks, university breaks, and I worked with a, an offshore company that had nothing to do with, you know, where I ended up was, that was underwater video technology for the, for the, uh, the rigs and so on. So, um, learning how to fly underwater subs, a remote controlled underwater subs and that were, were some of the great pleasures, you know, it had nothing to do with where I ended up, but I think it broadened my view of the industry and. I look back on a lot of the things I've done and thought at the time, you know, this, this isn't going to add up to anything. And, um, it's amazing how it rounds you out as, as an individual and as a, you know, what you do in the career. So for me, that part-time work was essential. And, you know, we now as a company take on graduates in their second year at university and give them some practical experience and some of the feedback I've had from those those pre-grads, if you like, has been phenomenal. You know, they've mm -hmm. really appreciated effectively rolling up their sleeves and actually seeing how things work and how to configure them and seeing the results. So I'd always say that's a, you know, it's a great thing to do if you can. Fascinating. I mean, normally I would think, you know, Boost, working at Boost or McDonald's would have been the part-time jobs for most people, but wow, <laughs> that's, that's something that you don't hear every yeah. day. That's amazing. No, no. Jeez. Okay. So. Moving on from, from all this, what were the hardest lessons you found that you learned through your career and your trend, like going through to where you are today? Yeah. Oh, look, I've got so many, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know where to stay, start. I, I think, you know, on reflection, the, the hardest days in my, my work career, working with people, <laughs> it's, it's mm -hmm. terrible. I know, you know, things never go right all the time. You make some fantastic relationships in work and then people leave, you know, it's just a part of the business. You have difficult conversations with people and if you can't deal with that, that becomes really emotionally draining. So I think for me, you know, the, those sort of areas are the things that tend to drain me. Likewise though, I, I've been, you know, one of the most fortunate people in terms of having some of the most amazing colleagues to work with. So it's. It's a real pleasure and pain thing, I think. And, you know, I pride myself on, on having remained friends over the many years with so many, you know, I've had the fortune to work with and, and it's probably both the downside and upside of, of, of my career, but that's certainly been the hard one. And also mm. dealing with difficult situations. I'm very sympathetic with, you know, you know, when something goes wrong with one of your customers, times can get very tense. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's really critical businesses that we're dealing with. And if something fails or, you know, there's something going on, the tension is, is very real. And there's a real emotional, um, you know, sort of price that people pay. And I, you know, they're, they're things I've had to learn with, learn to deal with. I've had to learn how to deal with stress and, and I've probably had to learn how to deal with balance, being, being balanced, actually knowing when to say no, knowing, knowing how to sort of protect myself, my own 
you know, mental state when, you know, the world seems crumbling around you, they, they are lessons that are really vital. I think I'm still learning them, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're, they're important ones for all of us, really. And was that skill about managing with those, those tensions, was that based, would you say, more on all the experience that you had to endure through that career? Or was there also sort of a training or something, a, a way that you decided that you would work on this issue by doing some sort of program or thinking or training? Yeah, yeah a bit of both. You know, I think... I was certainly given opportunities, I think, to, to do, you know, we'd now call them person development, how to understand your strengths and weaknesses, for example. Mm. And once you understand a bit more about yourself and like, you know, this is the last thing you would think cybersecurity practitioners would, would need to do, but it's actually really important because cyber is becoming a very mission driven, you know, very, and, and potentially very stressful part of the IT industry. And so understanding yourself is super important. You can't then provide support to others. And certainly a lot of the companies and certainly the company I'm with now, NTT, provides a lot of that training if, if you're willing to take it up. But of course, it's always optional. And I think early on in the piece, I did not see the value in it. I was more interested in understanding how you know, networks were working or how applications were operating. And I didn't really see some of these, you know, in quotation marks, softer skills, how important they were. And it turns out they're potentially the most important skills. So they were offered at times. I didn't take them up. I think as I've progressed through my career, I've increasingly taken those up. And, you know, it's a little bit of a, still a little bit of a hobby of mine around personal development, you know, how to deal with things that perhaps I'm not as good at, understanding some of my weaknesses, accepting them and, and, and building on them. And, and then even deciding where in my career, you know, I go because of that has actually become an important part of it. Mm. And jumping to a bit of a, different topic now. I mean, what is, would you say, NTT's major role and function? How does it fit into to the wider areas of business? Yeah. Well, so we are a connector. We, we connect businesses and their, their customers right into the services that are delivered. So we are, you know, sort of from that very end point from the computers on, on people's desks at home to, to the mobile phones, connecting providing all that integral technology that makes sure that that seamless experience that you have from that endpoint right up into those cloud environments and right into those applications that we, we deal with all the day, all, all the time, including this one that we're, we're doing this podcast on, that they work seamlessly, uh, efficiently, and you know, from my perspective, most importantly, I would say securely. So NTT's big systems integrator, we put all these pieces together and and of course the journey never stops because business and the way it's operating is continuously evolving and we're part of that you know flywheel effect of of, of providing support with that evolution that's occurring i see and with I, I had a little bit of a sneak around on the ntt website before and i saw there was also like a almost like a seek styled section of that website where you're joining, you can search up for certain career opportunities within the cybersecurity field, and then that organization will give you a bunch of, a list of potential roles that you can apply for. Does that also then basically yeah. provide younger people who are not sure, or people who have studied but not sure where they want to go to next that can apply for those roles? So it's also a bit of joining people to businesses as well. Precisely. That's um, precisely what it's there for. 
I think from our perspective, we've realized that, fortunately realized that technology is not the only thing. <laughs> and it <laughs> turns out that people are really important and finding people with the right skills are super important. And of course, no great secrets at the moment that there's a massive skill shortage in particular areas. And so having that arm of our business, and just so you know, I mean, NTT is a massive global organization. I think there's about 900 companies in the overall organization and not wow. just in entity local. And so we've pretty well got something of everything <laughs> yeah. somewhere tucked away. Fascinating company. And, you know, you can go down all sorts of areas, but yeah, having that, that group that's specifically involved in matching skills, searching the market, providing a channel into us. And sometimes not just into us. I mean, we put a lot of people into our clients' environments. So staff augmentation is quite a big part of our business. But, you know, it's just grown immensely because of that constant need to connect skill, people with skills to fulfill business and technology needs. And of course, challenging at the moment in the current environment in the market. And why do you think that current, why do you think that there is a, a shortage of people within the cybersecurity in this market at this time? I just think it's the expanding universe. And by that, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the digital revolution is well and truly on us. It's prepped up in many ways though. I mean, you can really see inflection points in history, recent history. And if you think about our lives collectively, everything we do these days has a digital component to it. Every service that we touch, you know, whether you go down to the shops, whether you know, how, how organizations communicate and keep in touch via Teams and Zoom and so on, everything, the, the things that we do on our mobile phones. And so that expanding universe has really created a bigger, we call it a threat landscape. So there's more things to be attacked every day. And of course, there now are more adversaries. When I started my career, it was the classic, you know, man or woman in a hoodie in the back mm. of their, you know, back of their shed hacking. Now we have threats from nation states, which are very, very much in the press. We have very sophisticated, highly financed, globally orientated criminal groups. We still have that man or woman in the hoodie, by the way. They're still there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> they haven't gone away. But they're all now applying all these sort of, you know, different attack vectors and different attack technologies onto all these digital services. So that expanding universe has meant we've needed more people with the skills to defend it. Mm. And you know, I would say that cyber has become, you know, may have been optional a few years ago. Now it is not optional. You, you could imagine the chaos that our society in Australia would incur if the government got knocked out or the banks got knocked out, you know, and these have all now been deemed critical infrastructure services for us. And we need to keep them reliable. And, um, uh, you know, our company now talks a lot about resilience. How do you ensure it stays safe? But it, you know, no matter what happens, it keeps operating. And, you know, think, think about hospitals, you know, the financial system, you know, mines, they're all great examples now of cyber resilience. That's a long way of saying there are just so many more roles needed by companies, organizations, and companies like ourselves. And we're all pulling from the same pool. <laughs> yeah, so it really does seem like there's a double-edged sword here. You know, there's one, in one hand, there's, there are more enemies. On the other hand, there are more opportunities. So it's, it's you know, it's hopefully the, the, you know, that I don't even know how to say what the future will hold, but I guess, 
you're definitely right with the whole expansion of the digital age and how it has sort of crept up on us. And we can see that through kind of negative consequences and how we need to, we need to rebalance, rebalance all that. If I was to say that I was a student and I wanted to follow in a similar role, I've heard this podcast, I go, wow, John, this is, mm-hmm. this sounds like an amazing corruption, which it does. How yeah. would one go about getting a bit ahead, getting, getting to a place where they can sort of find a great way to navigate themselves through so they can apply themselves to a similar degree so they can get to that similar role that you were? Is there anything that you would recommend in terms of studying or looking out for in terms of a job that, or a skill that one might need to progress with? And any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Look, and first thing I, I would say that, you know, you don't necessarily want to go where I've been, <laughs> you know, so, and I, I'm very, I mentor a number of people and I've spoken to many on this. And I think you really do need ultimately to find your path and, and sounds a little bit kind of um, up there, but, but that's super important. Getting into management and business, you know, is, is something that some people enjoy. Um, staying into the technology stream is also, you know, a wonderful career path. My, my advice at the beginning is go wide. I think it is important to get a good view of what's going on. The, you know, the, the theater of cyber has become such a broad theater now that there are, you know, literally so many different avenues that people can ultimately drop into. And you can go very deep, you know, if you want to, both in the technical perspective, but also into, you know, much more of that audit insurance and business cyber side of things as well. But, but having a broader experience initially is super important. I think if you look at the mission of cyber, which is to provide secure and reliable digital you know, environments, then it is good to know how the world works at a digital level. And I do fear a little bit, there's become a little bit of an abstraction layer occurring where people are, you know, see the world through their GUIs, through their user interfaces, and don't realize there are bits and bytes, nuts and bolts <laughs> underneath yeah. all that. And I, I think it's a little bit of an obligation. I think if you want to go into the cyber reader to try and get a, a good view of how the digital world does work and then specialize, become a cloud security specialist or an application, you know, specialist if, if you want later, but that broad view, and I've heard it, I have listened to the podcast. Uh, I think I've just, your, your first two guests that you've had, and, you know, I think their advice is really good. Just getting that general view first mm. and be that through a university degree, which, which would give you a very structured approach or getting it through an organization, a company that's got a sort of a structured training program that, you know, they're, they're good approaches and then find out what, you know, what you like and what you don't like. You know, I, I made that decision, as I said before, about halfway through my career to start to pick up business skills and financial skills because I couldn't progress into the management role without those, but I, I probably didn't need those right at the beginning. I see. I mean, that's really good advice, to be fair. I guess my final question, if you have time, is that there, what would be your three top priority skills for someone to build upon? I've heard a lot of, from other recent career professionals that they say, you know, eagerness to learn, mm-hmm. just a bit of discipline and a, and a passion. Are there any other things yeah. that you think are also a necessity to getting into this kind of industry? Yeah, I actually agree with those. I definitely think passion and having that thirst is is super important. You know, that that gives you the understanding and skills to build from, but it it really comes out when you interview someone. And I've interviewed, you know, hundreds of people 
And that, that passion, that enthusiasm comes out in the interview and, and it, it's sort of infectious, if you like. So I think that's really important. I would definitely say having time management skills will be really important. It's probably something I've had to work on <laughs> still <laughs> probably to this day. You know, cyber, and I look at our people in our company, it, it, you know, it's become such an important part of the fabric, the digital fabric that uh, you, you can get very overwhelmed. And so having good time management skills, I would say, is a, is a nice associated one. Yeah, I, I think they'd be the top, top ones. It, it, passion will lead you into all sorts of areas. And I, I think getting a little bit of self-knowledge as you go along, starting to really understand who you are, and, and I know this sounds very non-cybery, but really gives you a chance to expand. And I'm going to throw a fourth one that just came to mind, mm. and that is go a little lateral at times. I, for example, I joined up with the local volunteer fire brigade. Now I had no aspirations that that would help me in my cyber career. And yet on reflection, a few years later, dealing with emergencies when you're in a fire truck and racing down to a car accident or to a, to a bushfire, I have found so many similarities to instant response in the the virtual world of cyber mm. and really being able to use some of that training and teaching to, to talk to our client base around crisis management, instant response, the, you know, the, the, the way to think, the way to prepare yourself prior. That was a completely unexpected, you know, side benefit to, to volunteering effectively. And I would, you know, I think if I reflect back, taking some lateral movements that you don't think is necessarily in your genre can actually really benefit what you end up doing and, and bringing those skills back in. Definitely. That, that actually is a really good piece of advice that I haven't considered. And I don't think anyone else has really mentioned. And I guess also when you were talking about the, the yeah. passion, I mean, yeah. it's always a good <laughs> distinction to, um, yeah. and, you know, the added benefit is you are giving back. And certainly I think that's, you know, and, and we encourage a lot of our teams and in cyber and others to, to, to give back some way in some way. And I think that's an important part of the mission of cyber as well. We're there to help defend, but you know, the giving back into society in whichever way you just choose that relevance, actually a very positive benefit for, for everyone. Definitely, definitely. And I was just going to sort of jump on that as well, is that also with the, the passion statement, it was also a matter of also figuring out what is, the, what is worth keeping as a hobby and what is worth keeping as a career. Because as you said, you know, you thought at the beginning there was a, mm -hmm. you know, a chance that you're going to do something with the engineering side and, you know, that you always said you had an interest in it, but then the moment it turned to career, maybe didn't turn out to be specifically that that navigation for you was the correct path. And that's it always is great to, to find out what is passion for a career path and what's passion for a hobby. So that's always also another good thing. And that's the only way to learn is based on what you also said, which is being a bit more lateral. So that that definitely complements each other one way or another. Um well, I think I think we've we've established a lot of things here today. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking yeah. with us today about all these magnificent details about your role and all the all the different skills that we can acquire within the cybersecurity. It's very fascinating, and I really appreciate you coming on. Pleasure, pleasure. It's, you know, it is genuinely a great career, and I would thoroughly encourage all the men and women out there to to really consider it because I do, I do think it's actually an important service to it to how our society works. This has been another KBI Media Production.